Welcome to One More Dig Metal Detecting Stories. I'm Dave Spannenberg. Well, it's been a couple weeks, not quite a couple weeks, but close enough to call it that since I sat down and uh, recorded one of these. Um, I have a couple, couple topics that I'm going to cover. I think this will probably be on the shorter side, um, but but we'll see. Um, first thing I'm going to talk about is my brand new Mine Lab Equinox 800 that I received in the mail two days ago. And then I will follow that up with um, another one of the write up, uh, trip write ups for a Longhouse Treasure Hunter. Um, club hunt from 2007. I'm not sure if folks like to hear these. I, I do get many downloads on the uh, on the podcast that I that I tell the stories. So I'm going to continue to do that for a while. Maybe not every maybe not every episode, but um, every couple or so. I have 25 years worth of them. And uh, I find them entertaining um, and nostalgic. And I think that uh, most people like to hear silly stories of other people who um, who enjoy their hobby, whether it be hunting or fishing or, or metal detecting. So anyway, let's jump right in to a little talk about my new Equinox. Um, I received it Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday, um, much anticipated, FedEx showed up, I had to sign for it, or during COVID we don't sign, they just had to validate that it was me. Um, the unboxing was majestic as it is always when, when I get a new metal detector. Um, so I got it out, I looked at the directions, it was very very simple to put together um it came with wireless headphones that also came with a little transponder um that is it's very small two by two maybe two by two and a half by two and a half and it's uh it's very thin and it just fits right in your pocket or on your belt it's got a clip to put on your belt but uh it's very easy to set up the headphones. Um, I used the instructions that came, that came with them, but I also watched, um, there's so many YouTube videos out there on these, how to uh, do anything you want with any metal detector made. Um, so I watched a good one on, on pairing. Um, and then I, I also watched a couple really good ones on setting up the machine. And it was a lot of fun learning different people's different ideas on the best way to, uh, to search in every mode. Uh, everybody's got their own configuration that they think is the best and works the best for them for coins or relics or gold or beaches. Um, but I found a couple in particular that I gravitated to they were very simple and and sort of dumbed down for for at least someone who's never even uh seen an 800 before but so i took it out 
that day for an hour. Um, before I watched any videos, I just had it put together and uh, I took a quick look at the setup directions and it's basically turn it on, you select a mode, which there's four modes. There's park, field, beach, and gold. And each mode has two different setups that you can pick. So there's park one, park two, field one, field two, so on. Um, and then every time you turn the machine on, you need to noise cancel. And that's pretty simple. Um, and then you're ready to go. And all of those have presets, but just like any other high-end metal detector, you can adjust um, sensitivity, ground balance, um, tones. Um, you can select, let's say you want to only hear two tones. That means no matter what you go over, you will only hear two different distinct sounds. And there's also five tones, and then there's 50 tones, which I'm not quite sure why that would be. Um, that would be probably some sort of professional metal detector who um, had some reason to distinguish between 50 different types of metal. It's mind-boggling to me, and I will likely never use it. Um, it's got notch discrimination. One of the big selling features is it has five frequencies, and then multi-frequency, so you can run all five frequencies at the same time. Um, and it, it scans the ground and decides at any given point which frequency is um, optimal. And that's kind of the MindLab new technology that uh, everyone's, I don't want to say glamming onto, because it's it's not just a fad, it's a... It's, a really awesome feature and it's great technology um, but there aren't many machines out there that have this I have uh, my other machine I have two other machines an XP Deus and a Simplex and um, neither of those machines is multi-frequency and as great as the Deus is um, that isn't multi-frequency they haven't come out with a version yet that is. So I bought this 800 and I tested it out. Um, I brought it out in a field and I found a, I had a few targets. It was, you know, it was kind of had to adjust ground balance and sensitivity on the fly. Um, Cause it was, it was the first time I've been in this field with this machine, obviously. And the dais is what I have brought there generally, and I already had all my programs set for that, so I didn't have to worry too much about changing things. So obviously you get a new metal detector, especially one this caliber. You have uh, a learning curve, settings that um, you'll learn what you like what you don't like, what works best for you, wherever you're, um, wherever you may be detecting. So anyway, that's sort of like as technical as I'm going to get about this. But so the first time I went, I found 
some tin foil, some iron, um, and one little brass kind of Victorian brooch type thing, which was really nice, and it was it was pretty deep. Um, and I went in a field that I'd been in dozens of times. Um, that doesn't mean too much at this point because I'm still learning this machine. I'm not saying that it found something that another machine didn't. And there's also the consideration that it doesn't matter. You've heard me on other episodes. It doesn't matter how many times you've been somewhere. It's never cleaned out. There's always things there that are deeper or on edge. Um, new technology, weather conditions, wet soil, dry soil. Um, things can be found in places that we think um, don't have anything anymore so and then today I took the machine out to a yard that I'd been to dozens of times and uh, I, I didn't find anything other than some tin foil some can slaw um, some iron one thing that's different with this machine as every machine differs is the numbers for the Target ID are much different than they are on the dais or the simplex. Um, and they seem to be a much more compact area. Um, everything seemed to be zero to, like iron was on the real low end towards zero. Um, coins seem to be in the high 20s. Um, in the teens, from the testing I did, like low teens would be uh, would be maybe a nickel or a 10 karat gold ring or something like that. Um, but there's only like zero to 30, at least from the testing and the experience I've had so far. Whereas the dais is from zero to 95 and anything in between. So... I just need to learn how to read, um, you know, how to read what these ID numbers mean. And I know uh, some some people are going to say, don't even look at the meter. Just listen in and uh, dig solid signals. And I also agree with that. I, I'm a visual guy, too, so I like to... I like to uh, check out the meter and see what it see what's going on um, so I think oh yeah and today after I left that uh, that permission that yard I came back to my house and uh, just screwed around with it and the on the lawn a little bit just to test different settings and whatever and I found a, a clad dime which rung up at a solid 26 it wasn't very deep um, but anyway, so I've spent the last couple of days playing with it, and uh, I'm going to use it exclusively for, for the foreseeable future, um, and to learn more about it and watch some YouTube videos. Um, you can watch a YouTube video for anything, and learn how to do it. Um, not just metal detecting, but seems like anything, anything around the house breaks. You just look at YouTube. Um, 
But so, and the last thing for the 800 that I wanted to talk about is I just put together a small pros and cons list. And so the pros, um, it's, it is more or less turn on noise cancel and hunt because all of the factory presets are high quality and obviously research presets. Um, that work fine right out of the box with experience we all like to tweak things but it really is a high high uh high-end machine with an out-of-the-box kind of kind of vibe but with super technology to to tweak it when you're ready um the multi-frequency is there you know i love that i mean i'm still learning so um, but I leave it on multi-frequency and I, I get the benefit from that. And a couple of the items that I dug, although everything was pretty much junk, um, were deep. It, it, it went pretty deep. One of them, my whole Lesh tool was in the hole. Um, so that's what, 10, 11 inches maybe, I'm guessing. So those are my pros initially. Um, you know, I've only used it an hour probably total. Um, couple of cons, and I don't know if this can even be considered a con, but I find it to be a little heavier than I expected. Now I've been using a dais for four years, so I'm probably jaded when it comes to weight. And, uh, but I expected it to be a little bit lighter, um, and I think the arm cuff is, is it's wide and it's kind of um, awkward. Like you can get your arm as tight as you want in there with the elastic, um, not the elastic, the Velcro um, strap. And there's still room for your arm to kind of move around back and forth. And it's a little bit uncomfortable. And I posted that on, on a Facebook group, Mind Lab group, and one of the guys said maybe I need to to not have such skinny arms. Um but which is probably true. It would have fit me better probably in when I was playing college baseball in the nineties, but now I'm an old man and my arms are are much thinner. But I found the cuff to be somewhat uncomfortable. Um other than that, so far, I like it. I can't wait to learn more. Um, I know it's a great machine. It's highly rated. Um, so that's all I got for my two days and one hour in the field. I'll keep updating you all on uh, how my how I'm progressing with the Equinox 800 as as we go along in future podcasts. Um, I also tend to post a lot of questions and answer questions in various Facebook metal detecting groups, uh, including the Mind Lab group. So I sort of keep keep an update of uh, how I'm doing with it there, and uh, I ask a lot of questions too. It's just a great resource to have. I don't remember nine thousand people that could potentially see your question and give you some uh, some solid advice now it's time to 
tell a story. This is the story as written by Clark of the 2007 annual Earl birthday hunt, March 24, 2007. And the attendees were me, Earl, Jay, and Clark. And here it goes. And this is a good example of how camaraderie is sometimes more important than the actual detecting, <laughs> at, at least for me. Once again, the team was disappointed in the poor weather conditions. Snow covered the ground and was not able to hunt. However, the attendees decided to gather anyway to celebrate Earl's birthday in true longhouse spirit. Everyone met at Earl's at 9 a.m. sharp. First order of business was for Earl to remove his detectors from the van because there would be no need for them today. Next, Earl had to show Clark the Bud Light jingle about Mr. Beach Hunter metal detecting. We decided to use their motto and adapt it as the Longhouse motto. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Everyone piled into the van, but Clark had to clean the soiled navigator's seat first. Seems that Bailey, Earl's dog, uses that seat, and he apparently is quite dirty. Then it was off to the team breakfast at the Buckhorn Family Restaurant in Fultonville, New York. Lots of discussion about eating greasy food since Dave had his heart problem. But that didn't stop Dave from having sausage, sausage gravy, and bacon. Mmm, good. It should be noted that Dave paid his 2007 dues, as did Jay and another member. One unpaid person knows, known as Kay, who owes for three years now, did not show up. Breakfast was good, but the waitress was horrible and lazy. She actually told some people to go sit in the trucker section because she had some big party of ten just come in. Dave paid for the birthday breakfast, and the team loaded up in the van, and Clark announced that he would go for the day with them. So off we headed on Route 5 West. Dave was driving and speeding, so we had to keep reminding him to slow down. We missed the throughway entrance in Canajahari. Dave was going too fast, so we continued on 5. Followed that all the way to Utica and then New Hartford. Stopped in a burned dairy store so we could get scratch-off lottery tickets, soda, a newspaper, and directions to the Gander Mountain store. The team got two sets of directions and easily found the store. We browsed for about an hour, and Earl was able to find a nice fishing net, which Jay purchased for Earl as a birthday gift. Three of the four attendees had enough and wanted to leave. Guess who wanted to stay? Dave was concerned about trying to leave the store without being harassed by some Girl Scouts selling cookies. He found an alternate exit and was able to sneak past the cookie blockade and clown. Jay followed, stopping for a hot dog first, and the three waited in the van for guess who. It wasn't long before Earl came out and we drove up to get him. He was spotted eating hot dogs. With everyone in the van, we headed to the Utica Club Brewery for a tour. A few wrong turns, but eventually we were on the right path. I should have been noted that Dave was quite cranky at sometimes during the drive. 
This is probably due to his medical condition, and Clark politely reminded him whenever he was negative. Earl wanted it noted that there was no beer on board, dry van again as usual, so the team was really thirsty when they arrived. Arriving at the brewery, we headed inside and purchased tickets for the 1 o'clock tour. Clark bought tickets for the team. A pretty big crowd along with us, and even though we didn't feel like doing a tour, we went along and waited to just get tickets for our drinks. It should be noted that Earl picked out tank number 11 as his favorite brew tank. Not sure what was in there. After enduring the tour and bottling video, we finally got our tickets and we were able to visit the pub and get our drinks. Earl and Dave enjoyed a Utica club. Barney got some kind of dark Saranac and Clark had ginger beer and diet root beer. It should be noted that Dave showed us how to get a drink and retain his ticket so he could get an extra drink. For a guy who was not supposed to drink beer, he was the only person who cheated the bartender and got three drinks. By the way, that's me, and I do not remember that. All right, back to the story. After finishing our drinks, we headed out with plans to stop and get something to eat. It should be noted that nobody wanted to stop at the restaurant that Lumpy selected the last time we went to the brewery. We started to try and find Route 5, but took some wrong turns again and ended up heading east on Route 5S. We crossed the river into Herkimer, but Earl wanted to eat at some place in Mohawk. Even though it was his birthday, we ignored him and kept driving. After passing many fast food places in Herkimer, we headed to Little Falls. This is when people started complaining about stopping to eat and that they were passing all the good places. We had a plan to stop at Rapepi's in St. Johnsville, but when arriving there, we found it was closed. This meant we would not find any other place to eat. Some more discussion about going to Johnstown to the tool show and getting something to eat. We took back roads to Fonda and ended up home. Ending the trip, it was uneventful, but we had some good laughs and the team's camaraderie, and that's what the Longhouse is all about. But wait, this is not the end of the events. Earl, Jay, and Dave headed to Applebee's for dinner. Jay, Earl, and Dave were in attendance, and Earl treated. They went back home where Jay and Earl napped, and Dave drank Chardonnay until he passed out. Here's hoping the next year the snow is gone, the ground is thawed, and we can actually have a full day hunt. So I don't remember drinking Chardonnay either, but this was 14 years ago. Um, so that was the story of the 2007 annual Earl birthday hunt. Um, fun for me to read. I like to hear stories of other people's clubs, so uh, maybe, maybe someone will get a giggle out of this one. But anyway, um, thanks for joining me. If you'd like to uh, ask any questions, leave any comments, uh, suggestions for future podcasts, my email is omdstories at gmail.com. And you can always leave me feedback and a rating on whatever podcast platform you use. Thank you for joining me for episode 10. This has been One More Dig Metal Detecting Stories, and I'm Dave Sponenberg.